0: Manx Radio's 1-3. Tended by Ramsey Garden Centre. Pick up your new all-season loyalty card in store today and start collecting reward points. So we've been finding out all about the excellent work of Manx BirdLife this week. Um, Alison, this is very early days for you with the charity. Exciting times. You've just just moved over here
1: and you've taken over. How's it all going so far? Uh, Well, I I think it's going quite well, but hopefully other people think that as well. Yeah, I mean, we're we're still in just counting my time here in weeks rather than months. So, yeah, it's all very new. An awful lot to learn, but... Yeah, hopefully hopefully we're getting there.
0: And tell us a little bit about your background then and what what brought you to the island?
1: Um so I previously I, I used to work for the R S P B, which seems to be quite a common route into this. Um and I worked in reserves for, for nearly twenty years. But um we've been coming me and my husband have been coming across to the island for a very long time. We've got friends that live here. We've always loved it, so when this opportunity came up it just seemed like a good time to, to make a move to somewhere that we wanted to to be so actually it's not going to be
0: that much of a change for you because you know the island already, but I mean, will it be very different work over here to what you're used to
1: yeah it's very different, so um let's see, I worked on reserve, so we do have the reserve up at the point of air so that bit i'm very happy with, very comfortable, um, but there's lots of other things um, that yeah it, it's new there's a there's a steep learning curve, and Neil, I mean, we know your name, it was associated for many years with Manx bird
0: life. Are you still going to be involved?
2: Yes, yeah, so I'll keep a keen interest. Uh, Alison's got the, uh, the keys to the house now. <laughs> so she's, she's leading the organisation, but I'm staying on the board as a director. And I think our job is to support Alison and um, help her continue, build and grow Manx Birdlife. And it's not just about the organisation, it's about what we achieve. So I'm sure she'll um, grow those achievements as well.
0: Um, and what are, looking back on, on your time with the charity then itself, what are some of the sort of highlights that, that stand out to you from your work with them?
2: Well, I think, uh, having been a monitoring and surveying organisation, one of the milestones before I arrived was the publication of the Manx Bird Atlas by Chris Sharp, and that that stands as a wonderful um, legacy of work. So what we've done since then is we've moved that forward, understood a bit more about where our bird populations are today, and we've created the Birds of Conservation Concern, and that's what we know colloquially as the Red List of Birds. And that's taking all the work of the Atlas and everything else we could find out about the birds of the island since and before the Atlas to understand which are the species that are most in peril, which are the species that we think are doing well and that we don't have any concerns around. And that birds of conservation work is what now is really focusing, sharpening our efforts to prioritise those species that most desperately need our help. And um, it's nice to know that organisations like Wildlife Trust, Max National Heritage and Government have adopted Birds of Conservation Concern as the official red list. And of course, um, resources are desperately short. Um, There's a lot of will and um, expertise out there. And something like the Birds of Conservation Concern helps point all that effort and all that process where it's most needed. So I think that's particularly gratifying that we now have a sense of really where those priorities are and where our efforts can be most um, effective. Um, And we mustn't forget the Point of Air as well. We now have that as a flagship nature reserve up at the north of the island. Um, It's a a, a small steps first. We've got 105 acres under leasehold, but the long-term opportunity is enormous. And um, it, it, it can become an international standard nature reserve over time.
0: What an extraordinary achievement that is. And just coming back to your mention of the red list there, that's quite timely as well because it's it's in the news this very day. I mean, we're talking on Thursday um, that, of course, there's, there's, there's been a lot of uh, discussion about the fact that dwindling numbers of mammals and also bird life. I mean, quite shocking that the sort of suggestion of, of the bird life that we might lose in the British Isles.
2: Yes, um, you're referring to the State of Nature report that RSPB have just um, coordinated with many other NGOs, and we've had an input to that as well as a Crown dependency. I guess I have to reflect as well that the job's not yet done. You know, I've done a bit of time here. I think we've had some good achievements, but there's a much bigger job still to do. And a report like um, the State of Nature shows us that 16% of 10,000 assessed organisms across the British Isles are at threat of extinction. And that's a pretty woeful picture. So it, it's really telling us that we do have to prioritise our efforts, really do the important things and do those important things well. But we've still got to up our game if we are to save nature in any meaningful way.
0: And Neil, I wonder if there's, there's anything that we can be aware of as the public, that w- how we can somehow reduce our impact maybe on a bird species with whatever activity that we do, human activity.
2: Yes, indeed. You know, after all these years of, of um, working with Max Birdlife, I think I can reflect on really two ways of looking at it. I, I think that we are the electorate. We, you know, we we are the great um, mass of people um, that government is there to serve, and so we must keep government aware of our concerns. But secondly, we must support government when government undertakes good initiatives. And there are lots of initiatives such as single-use plastics. Even the banning of helium balloon release, etc., was a brilliant initiative. Those small steps we have to support because, yes, we're sort of angry. And, yes, that anger boils over from time to time that we think we're not being listened to. Um, and there's a lot of work that government still needs to do. Um, We have thankfully got away from some of the vanity projects and we are doing some very serious projects at a national level now. But we do have to support government with with, um, all our efforts when perhaps they do listen and they try to suggest initiatives. And as taxpayers, maybe it will cost a little bit more to put nature right. But if, if we don't support government in trying to do that, nobody else is going to help us.
0: And Alison, you mentioned that one of your goals taking over this lead role with with the charity itself is about conservation. So uh, what can we do as, as sort of the general
1: public to help with that? Well, you, you can, uh, so people can support organisations like Max Birdlife, the Wildlife Trust and other NGOs that are working for conservation um, across the island. They can also, you can do, you know, things in your, your, your own garden. I'm a firm believer that everybody doing a little bit adds up to a lot, so... You know, having that little bit in your garden that's a bit wild, that, you know, is great for nature, things like that are great. You can volunteer for organisations like ours. You can, you know, we are very much appreciative of people giving us their time and expertise. You can also help us financially. And uh, Neil, what sort of birds
0: are sort of, just give us a rough idea of some of the birds that are sort of at the top of this list for us over here on the Isle of Man.
2: Well, the obvious ones are birds like um, chaff and hen harrier. Now, we've actually amber-listed those because locally we think their populations are okay. But if you do take an international perspective, then we have a huge responsibility for those populations. Um, Ground-nesting birds particularly are at peril. We've lost things like red shank. We've lost things such as lapwing as breeding species. Um, Ireland has just lost 97% of its breeding curly population in the last 30 years. 97%? 97%. So for every 100 curlews that perhaps we might have been seeing previously, there are only three out there to see now. We must get on top of understanding our own curly population here on the island. But of course, birds travel. You know, our birds are part of the bigger picture. They migrate they spend the summer and winter in different places, and um, we, we have to understand where we are with birds such as curlew. I'd add windchat in there as another particular species that we're on the cusp of losing, and then really take some quite radical action to stop those species uh, from going th- the same way that they have in Ireland, for example.
0: And are any of these species birds that might have been affected by the sort of recent outbreaks of bird flu, or is that not really relevant?
2: Bird flu in the context of the island is not in itself putting species at risk, it's certainly putting abundance at risk. Um, And again, you join up the dots with elsewhere around the British Isles. um, There have been some significant losses of populations of species such as terns, common terns, for example, arctic terns, roseate terns, where populations have lost up to 75% of their breeding pairs. So it's going to take generations to get those birds back. And these are birds that are already under severe pressure. So the recovery opportunities are actually fewer than they should be so it'll take even longer for these birds to recover and when we have successes here um, perhaps when we have a a good number of chuff and um, hen harrier perhaps we can help support other populations that are declining Um, a really good example is is the shearwater of course we lost the shearwater for 200 years it was extinct here it's our only eponymous Isle of Man, bird, um, and it was thanks to the efforts of other people that there were still Manx waters left in the Irish Sea that could then seed back our population here. So we, we take a, a twofold view, we look at the species on the island and our stewardship of them for our own sakes as part of the Manx avifauna, but of course we have an international responsibility for looking after species that are visiting many other countries as well.
0: And Alison, you know, you mentioned that you've been coming to the Isle of Man for some time here and we do—we are actually very fortunate. I mean, Anil just mentioned down the Manx
1: Shearwater. We have some incredible species over here to see, don't we? Yeah, the island is amazing. Um, and it's see the thing that really has always excited me is you can go down to the sound and the south of the island. You can see the shearwaters there in the morning and then in the afternoon you can be watching hen harrier skydancing on the hills. I can't think of anywhere else that you can do those things in such a a small area. Mm -hmm. Um, And then again, up to the north of the island to the point of where you've got the the breeding little terns. There's just such diversity within a small area. It's just fantastic to watch.
0: And I love following as well the um, various uh, social feeds of of the calf as well with the, the work they're doing on the calf of man and some of the birds that they find up there that they're tagging are just incredible, aren't they?
2: Yeah, the the, the calf is right at that pinch point of um, migration and birds being blown about by storms um, is, is one thing and they, they do get some amazing rarities turning up. But I think also they're at the front end of seeing what effects climate change is having so the long-term studies of even common birds they've been doing um is showing a great decline in abundance of birds because we get very hung up about biodiversity i i am on record as saying that noah had biodiversity because he had two of everything um but he didn't have a functioning ecosystem in that arc and, of course, to be a functioning ecosystem that, that provides our life support system, we need diversity and abundance of species.
0: So can we actually do anything about that, though? Because, you know, the, the, the sort of phraseology you're using makes it sound like it's, it's sort of like a done deal.
2: Oh, I hate to be so negative. I, I think we're at a tipping point. I think we're at a point where for some species we're going to lose them forever. Mm. And I would give the example of yellowhammer, for example. Um, Pat Cullen wrote in the 1980s that it was perhaps once the most common small bird on the island. It's gone. And it's probably gone forever because although we could do some um, work with habitat, it might be that climate change is against such a species like that ever regaining a foothold here. So, yes, it's, it's absolutely better to protect what we have rather than try to get it back than once we've lost it. And we've got species such as puffin, uh, windchat, and even some of the more common species like tree sparrows, um, which you, you can find across the UK, they are declining. But we are on the verge of losing even tree sparrow as a breeding bird here. So we have to redouble our efforts. And as I say, it is far more effective to save birds while we have them than to try and grab them back once they're lost.
0: So, I mean, on that notice of us, Alison, you've got a journey ahead of you, haven't you? I mean, is it quite the time to take over the, the, the lead role here? But I wonder if it's been helpful over the past few years uh, that the public's awareness is maybe increased because of the use of things like apps. I mean, before we, we, we started recording, I was telling you how I love like the Merlin app, for instance, which will sort of help you identify birds. And I'm guessing with the general public getting more involved and, and having that sort of link with nature in that respect, that's got to be quite helpful to a certain extent.
1: Definitely. Uh, it has become so much more accessible to people. Uh, I think uh, for a long time it was seen, you know, bird watching was seen very much as a, a male Area um, that, you know, if you you had to have a certain level of expertise to get into. um, But that's very much not the case now. And I think through COVID as well, people spending more time at home, seeing what's in their garden, seeing what's in their local area and getting to appreciate that has definitely helped. So, yeah, there definitely seems to be a much more, more, people are much more interested in their local wildlife and we can hopefully take that and show them you know what else is available around the island and other places and get them interested in that because if they're not interested if you if you don't get people to buy in they're never going to you know help you conserve and save these species exactly and uh, and i suppose i mean i mentioned this app obviously these apps are just sort
0: of like a kind of a fun tool in a way and they're not always going to be absolutely dead on but actually we have some experts over here who can help us to identify birds and you do run uh through uh
1: the charities and bird watching classes and they they've quite well subscribed aren't they yeah we're very lucky that uh Temeril runs these courses twice a year for um so, so for beginners to to get people interested to get them in you know in the door that little bit of knowledge to so that give them that confidence to go out and see other things um yeah the, there's a couple running at the moment and they're fantastic um we 've heard that lots of people come back and do them time and time again because it is just so great and yeah it's it's just great to see people so interested and what sort of things can we expect
0: to see just sort of with the naked eyes or walking around because I know for instance. Douglas Head you walk around Marine Drive and you can see a pair of peregrine falcons quite often down there and uh, you know as, as we mentioned the curlies may, may be depleted elsewhere but we do have curlies on the beaches and what sort of things are you excited
1: to see around the island? For me it's just the the, the as I said the diversity of things within a fairly small space so um, yeah going up to our reserve at the point of air and just seeing the ducks and the little grebes um, and things like that are, are just fantastic. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to the spring and summer when yeah, maybe get some hen harrier sky dancing and yes, yeah, some of the the seabirds coming back. Lovely,
0: uh, Neil. Have you have you got a, a hit list as such for birds that you've not yet seen over here that you really want to tick off the list? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, there are there are one or two species which I need to spend a bit more time to really um, appreciate. Um, there's a species called woodcock, for example, which is like a giant snipe. And um, we just don't know um, what breeding population we have of woodcock on the island. We we get lots of birds coming in from Russia to spend the winter here. Uh, when Siberia freezes over, they come to the Isle of Man for their winter holidays. Um, but we genuinely have no idea how many birds remain on the island. And it's intriguing to think that after all this effort... Um, that that on a small territory like the Isle of Man, there are still things we just don't know about some of the fundamental species that make up our avifauna.
0: So is this where potentially the birdwatching public might be able to help? I mean, do you have a way that people can report sightings to you?
2: We we, we do. We invite everybody to send their sightings to us. We have a reporting form on our website. You just go to our website and look to see where the sightings um, link is. And we are at the moment recording anywhere between thirty and 60,000 records of birds simply through that source every year.
0: Wow, that's we a We have an number. army
2: of garden bird watchers um, who are delivering another 60,000 records a year. And what's interesting there is that the birds in our garden tend to feel like the more familiar species, those that you don't have to wander around dark nights or remote places to eke out. Um, And just understanding the common birds and how their populations are fluctuating is really important to understanding how habitat is faring, for example. So just watching the birds in your garden over time gives us an awful lot of information. So again, you can join the Garden Birdwatch Scheme. It's free and we'll support you in taking part. It's very easy. It takes about 10 minutes on a Sunday to complete the form each week. And um, please again, have a look at our website... Uh, max bird life you can google simply max bird life garden bird watch and you'll find all that you need to know
0: it's great fun and it's really good for your mental health as well, isn't it? I think just sitting and watching birds, it just does something really, really healthy for you,
2: doesn't it? I think you can kick the walls down for eight hours a day doing your job, fighting all the battles, thinking about all the data that you need to summon as evidence to make the case for your cause. And then you can get an hour, as Ali says, out at the point of air or down at the sound, blow the cobwebs away and just immerse yourself in wildlife. And it, it, it's beyond the birds. It, it, it's the flowers as well. We've spent our last 20 years with TV showing us the big stuff. Um, we're getting interested in the small stuff because actually it's the stuff under our feet which is incredibly important as well. And um, as somebody who's been a lifelong birder, I recognise this so much more I need to learn about the natural world.
1: The Garden Bird Watch is an excellent opportunity to sit down with a cup of tea and a biscuit and just take that hour for yourself. Manx Radios 1 to 3, tended by Ramsey Garden Centre. Pick
0: up your new all season loyalty card in store today and start collecting reward points.